turn with me. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. And today I want to talk to you about freedom. We talk a lot about freedom. And as Christians, we should know what real freedom looks like. But I think a lot of times we get it wrong. Um, my cousin told me, and you can guess which cousin it was. Uh, some of you may know him. Uh, but he told me, if you really want to appreciate freedom, get locked up. <laughs> I love our country. We got, we got some problems. Is there some things I would change? Yeah. Is there stuff I could complain about? Yeah. But we live in the greatest country on earth. And the big part of that, I think we live in the greatest country on earth. And, and the major part of that is because we have freedom. There are men and women that have fought and given their lives and, and served our country so that we could be free. So that we're free to stand in here today and worship God. We're free to do all kind of stuff. It's a great country because of freedom. Yeah, but we have laws. Yeah, because if we use our freedom to hurt ourselves or others, then that's not real freedom. If you think that you can use freedom to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else, then that's not real freedom. We're going to look at that here in a few minutes, and it becomes bondage. If I jump on I-20 out here, the speed limit, they got a minimum speed on there of 40. And they got a maximum speed of 70. Well, there's been construction for the last 17 years. And, but, and normally, it's supposed to be a minimum speed of 40, maximum speed of 70. So, I have freedom to drive 69, 65, 70, 44. I mean, you have the freedom to jump on I-20 and drive 50 miles an hour if you want to. But please get out of the fast lane. You're frustrating the rest of us with your freedom. All right? You're causing somebody else to stumble with your freedom. But I have freedom within my boundaries. See, I have boundaries, and those boundaries or the law is set into place to keep me from hurting myself or someone else. So, yeah, we have boundaries. I have boundaries to keep me safe, and so I don't hurt myself or hurt anyone else but I have freedom. You know, a slave thinks that his master is free. You might be thinking, wait, wait. is he not? I'm going to show you today and I'm telling you today that neither one is free. Because real freedom doesn't enslave you or anyone else. If it does, then it's not real freedom. It's not the freedom that Jesus teaches about. It's not the freedom that Paul taught all throughout the Scripture. If your freedom is enslaving or hurting someone else, it's not real freedom. You're in bondage yourself. Have you ever respected the law but felt like it was misplaced? in a moment or like it didn't make sense for that situation or that time like I mean I respect the law but it just doesn't make sense in this situation like 
You know, maybe you were driving home at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know where you were coming at three, from at 3 o'clock in the morning, but we'll leave that for another message. When you're, maybe you were driving home at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you looked ahead, and here comes an intersection. And the light's green. Well, all of a sudden, you see the light turn yellow. What do you do? You speed up a little bit to try to make it. Right? That light turns red. And just because you've trained yourself to stop at red lights, and that is the law. Put on your brakes and stop. I'm not saying I've done this, but yeah. You stop at the red light, and then you sit there. You're looking around. There's no other cars coming. The intersection's empty. You can't see another car or headlights anywhere around. So you're sitting there. You're thinking, why did I even stop? You're looking around. Then, then you convince yourself that the light's broken. Something's wrong. It's not changing. Man, I've been sitting here forever. I've been sitting here for an hour, and that thing's not changed. Although it just changed to red. You just watched it change from green to yellow to red, but now all of a sudden, and maybe this is just me. I don't know. But you convince yourself pretty quickly that that light's broken. Then you start thinking about your old uncle that was telling you about how if you don't pull up far enough, they got a trigger on there that it won't turn if you're not up far enough. So you start inching forward a little bit. Maybe that thing can't see me. Maybe it's not seeing me. So you ease up and now you're over that white line. You're like, man, let it roll forward a little more, a little more. Like it, the light's obviously not. Hello, I'm here. You're talking to the light now. Right? There's nobody else around. You're looking around. Well, then you look around and realize, man, I'm halfway out in the middle of this intersection. This is dangerous. So for the safety of myself and the others around, I better just go on. And so you just, you don't gas it. You just ease off the brake and let it slowly roll because it's better to break the law in slow motion than it would be to just take off. Right? So I've not done this, but I think maybe some of you have. And then what happens? As soon as you take off, what do you do? You get paranoid and start looking around. Oh, Lord, there's probably Georgia State Patrol hiding out. He's probably got me now. You're looking around because you don't care that you broke the law. You just care if you got caught. Now, the very same thing can happen the next day on a Friday afternoon in the busy intersection and this dude can come flying through and not care about the red light and break the same law that you broke and fly through and T-bone some woman and her baby and they can both end up in the hospital and we look at them and say, what an idiot. Why would he not stop at that red light? He did in the light what you do in the dark. Hmm. He runs it. See, you don't care that you broke the law. You care if you got caught. You want to see somebody else break the law and hurt people, and we can call them names or say, wow, he's reckless. Wow, what a, what a moron. And they just did when people were around what you did when you were by yourself. How does that happen? You get comfortable in the dark. No one knows. There's no one around. I'll just do it. Oh, I'm out of town. Nobody going to see me. Nobody around. This law doesn't apply right now. What does it matter? There ain't no kids here. 
This doesn't even make sense right now. Eventually, you get so comfortable that you become a slave and you do it without even thinking. And then it controls you. And you and innocent people around you get hurt. Good Christians say, what an idiot. Because you've done it in the light. What we've done in the dark. See, laws are put into place to keep us from hurting ourselves and others. You ever thought about some of the organizations that our government had to put into place, like the FDA? That's pretty ridiculous that they have to have a whole entire organization to make sure that people don't do things that will harm other people just to make a little more money. They don't use certain chemicals, and they don't, like, we have whole government organizations to make sure that humans don't harm humans. That we don't use our freedom to hurt ourselves and each other. We don't use our freedom for selfishness. The government is afraid of what people would do with total freedom. What would you do if you were completely free with no laws? Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.17. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. That word liberty means freedom. So Paul's telling us that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That our God brings liberty and freedom, not law and judgment. Look at John 8, 32. Look what Jesus said. Jesus was talking about freedom. Jesus is teaching and he's got this crowd of people there that are trying to accuse him. And really, go read it. Uh, go read John chapter 8. But they're kind of self-righteous. Verse 32, Jesus is talking and he said, And ye shall know the truth. Or Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You shall know the truth. Or you shall know Jesus. And the truth shall make you free. So if you know the truth, then the truth will make you free. Dusty Rutherford has a story inside of Jesus. Anything I write outside of him is fiction or fake. It's my truth. No, it's just, it's a lie. It's outside of what he says about me. I am who you say I am. We just sang it. If you tell yourself a lie long enough, you'll start to believe it. You can. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him. How dare you. We be Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage to any man. Oh, really? Well, last time I read the Bible, you guys were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. Not even counting some of the other people that held you guys slaves throughout all that time. But, I mean, that was a 400-year, whatever, never mind. We be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. 
How sayest thou, you shall be made free? How dare you say, I'm be made free? I'm already free. Be free from what? Now, nobody ever made me their slave. I don't have a problem. You know anybody like that? How dare you come at me talking to me about how I can be set free? I don't have a problem. Then you will never be free. You can be an addict, you can be in bondage, you can be a slave to whatever sin or whatever thing you got going on. And if you want to admit that you have a problem, you will never find freedom. I promise you that. You don't admit you have a problem. What are you talking about? I can be made free. I've never been a slave to anybody. I don't have a problem. If you want to admit you have a problem, then you won't be set free from that problem. If you are participating in a religion that does not offer freedom, it's legalism, not Jesus. Scripture tells us that Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to open blind eyes and set the captives free. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, and you can go read it in Luke. It's what he came to do. Did he succeed or fail? So if you're participating in anything that puts you in bondage, it's not Jesus. They say that being kissed while you're asleep is one of the purest forms of love. But not if you're in prison. (laughs) See, when you are free... Love is a gift. It's a wonderful thing. It's a pure thing. It's a powerful thing. But when you are in bondage, it becomes perverted. It becomes something you don't want. It becomes weird. When you are in bondage, when you are a slave. So what did Jesus say to these people that think they're already free? Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, this is the truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Don't buy into the doctrine that says, I'm free and grace says I can do whatever I want, so I'm free, so I do whatever my feelings tell me to do. I do whatever feels good. Jesus said, no, don't buy into that because he that commits sin, you become a servant or slave to that sin. And it dictates what you do. It's what you think about. It's what Jesus said, no, that's not, the, that's not real freedom. I'm trying to tell you about a real freedom. I've seen a lot of people that bought into what they thought or what looked like freedom and become more bound. Your freedom puts you in more bondage than you were in before you found freedom. That's not freedom. Look what Jesus said. We're going somewhere with this. Hang on. Hang with me. Committed the sin and servant to that sin. And the servant, the servant abideth not in the house forever. But the Son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus is getting on a roll here. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And then Jesus dropped the mic. 
boom. You are called to freedom. Remember in Braveheart when William Wallace shows up and they're all getting scared and they're about to run away and he runs, comes running by on that horse. It's a great scene. I remember they're, they're about to run and, and he says, will you fight? I don't remember the exact wording, but will you fight for your freedom? And you know, there's a little, little scared dude standing there with a pitchfork or something said, we will run and live. Y'all know the scene I'm talking about? And William Wallace, he says, run and you will live. Fight and you may die. But if you run, you'll die one day quietly in your bed. And would you trade every day from now until that for one chance at freedom? One chance to stand up against those who would take your freedom. I'm paraphrasing. That's not the exact wording he used, but that was the point. For freedom. Why would we not take hold of a freedom that's ours? Freedom that we're called to. We're called to freedom. One place in Scripture says that it is for freedom that He has set us free. I won't turn there, but um, Nathaniel says in John 1, 40, 1, John 1, 45, I think, um, Nathaniel, or in other places in the other Gospels, he's known as Bartholomew. Um, this guy's got two names for some reason. I don't know. He doesn't say that much in the Gospels, right? He follows Jesus, but he don't say a lot. So what he does say, we want to listen to because God's probably... In my mind, maybe saying something through him. You know, like you got somebody like Benny that doesn't talk much. When he does talk, you should probably listen. So he's probably thought about it before he said it. Unlike some of us that just, la, 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 la. There's some people you just kind of zone out. But Benny says something, you probably listen. So uh, Nathaniel, he says one of the few things we have recorded that he said... And uh, he said it when Philip found him. You remember Philip went and found him. And Philip's all excited because we found the Messiah. We found Jesus. We found the one we've been looking for. And he goes back to his buddy, Nathaniel, a.k.a. Bartholomew. And he said, we found him. Jesus of Nazareth. Wait. Jesus of what? You said the Messiah? Jesus... From where? He said, Nazareth. No. In verse 46, Nathaniel said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's where we're from. That's where Jesus is from, Nazareth. No. Jerusalem, the holy city, there's some great things that can come out of Jerusalem, and there's some good things. That, but can anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't think so. Remember when Jesus went and tried to minister in his hometown and they didn't receive him and, and Jesus couldn't do the miracles that he wanted to do? Jesus, the God-man, all God, all man, couldn't even do what he wanted to do because they wouldn't receive him. They're like, man, that's Joseph's boy. <laughs> 
What's he going to do? I seen him growing up, man. I seen that dude peeing on a tree before. He's not the son of God. They just looked at him like a common little boy like that. And, and the Bible tells us that Jesus couldn't even do what he wanted to do. He couldn't even do any great works. And on the way out, he just healed a couple people. For me, that's pretty great works. But anyway, apparently, Jesus had some great stuff in mind, but he couldn't even do it. Because he was from Nazareth. And they were from Nazareth. And they knew all the mess, and they knew the backstories, and they knew what had happened there, and what had been done there, and what kind of town that was, and what kind of people lived there. And see, they're not just saying it about Jesus, they're saying it about themselves, because they're from there too. It's this whole attitude of, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nah. I used to think they rejected Jesus because they were familiar with Him. But now I think it was because He was from Nazareth. He's one of us. I can't do anything great. So neither can you. Why? You think, you're some, you think you're the Son of God? Jesus had done great things. They saw Him do great things. They could go see the people that He had healed. But yet, they said, nah, nah, He's one of us. They couldn't receive His greatness because of where He came from. Because of things that had happened before. They couldn't receive what God was trying to do now. There are people that won't come to this church because of things that happened before. And they can't receive the greatness that Jesus wants to do now. Anything great come out of that? Yeah. Jesus can do great things. You can't experience all that He has for you as long as you are trapped in Nazareth. In your mind. When you have a view of yourself, your life, your situation, your town, whatever, that has been shaped by stereotypes and generalization and failure, it gets to a point where you believe nothing good can come out of you. See, some of you are trapped, and maybe it wasn't even your fault, but it can still be your prison. Maybe you're trapped because of decisions you made, and maybe not, but either way, it can hold you in bondage and keep you in prison to where you're not free. And Jesus isn't free to do the work He wants to do in you. Some of you are victims of sexual molestation 27 years ago or whatever. And it still dominates your perception of what your future can be. Some of you are trapped in relationships. Some of you are trapped in a law-dominated existence. You're not free. And I'm telling you that you are called to be free. But freedom scares you. Freedom's scary sometimes. You've been institutionalized. You're afraid of decisions that freedom offers because you know you. 
scared of you. I'm scared of me. So we're afraid of this freedom because what, what would I do? Just like the government on us, we're afraid. What if, if you had total freedom? Would you, what if you hurt yourself? Would you hurt somebody else? Would you destroy everything? Would I? It's this fear. Remember, I, I mean, I don't usually bring up this many movies in church, but this got me thinking about Shawshank Redemption. Another great movie. Um, remember in, in Shawshank Redemption, Red, Morgan Freeman's character, he was locked up for like, I think it was 40 years. And he finally got out of jail. He, he finally got his freedom. And he kept asking people for permission to do stuff. Like He'd be out in the store like needing to go to the bathroom, but he felt like he had to have permission to go to the bathroom because he'd been in prison for... People have been telling him every move to make for the last 40 years. That's what they call institutionalized. He couldn't make the decisions that he needed to make as a free man. He had grown accustomed to the structure behind bars and walls. And guards, guns became his sanctuary. He didn't have to exercise his own decision making. Someone else did the thinking for him. And now on the outside, he faces a prospect more daunting and terrifying than incarceration. He faces freedom. Red confesses that he contemplates various ways to break his parole and return to the security of his prison cell. He sums up his dilemma in one line. It is a terrible thing to live in fear. People caught up in legalism are no different than Red. Wishing for freedom. Want to be free. God set me free. Freedom. We sing worship songs about freedom, but scared to death of the choices that it demands. It's much easier to retreat to our list of do's and don'ts, of black and white categories, than to think, pray, and struggle with thorny social, moral, and political decisions. The church, by erecting legalistic walls, trains up a generation of Christians who can't think or act for themselves. At Galatians 5, 13 through 15. I'm going to wrap it up. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. And this, I really want us to, to grab a hold of what these three verses are saying. So I'm going to read it to you in three different, three different translations. And then we're going to talk about it. So King James says it like this. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty or freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. 
Message Bible. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Like, I can destroy my freedom? Did you know you can have real freedom and you can make decisions that put you back in bondage? You can destroy your freedom. Don't destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Wait, that's how I grow my freedom? That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's Word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? Last one, NIV. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. What will you use your freedom for? Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. What freedom is that? God offers us freedom. In our freedom, we can choose bondage. And He offers us freedom again. God, it sure would be a whole lot easier if you would just let us, set us free. And when we, when we realize what Jesus did for us or when we become Christians, if you would just set us free and not allow us to go back into bondage. But see, if He did that, then it wouldn't be true freedom because He would be then controlling us. So to really give us freedom, to give us real freedom, He has to give us the choice to choose freedom or bondage. Because if we didn't have a choice, then it wouldn't be freedom. And God won't force you. He just offers. Offers you. Hey, I got a better way. Hey, I love you. Hey, freedom is yours. You are called to be free. Galatians 5.13. We just read it. says you are called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature that was the NIV we just read it three different ways but do not you're called to be free but it's easy for us to focus on the do nots we always it seems like we look through the Bible and we get these amazing truths these amazing promises these amazing calls and then you know, it may be followed up by a, and do not do this, or a don't do that. And we focus on the do nots. Probably because we're good at those. And we're good at doing them. Doing the do nots. But I've found that if we spend our lives focusing on the do nots, or what not to do, 
then we don't have enough time or energy left to do the do's. So do the do. (laughs) D-O. We don't have enough energy left to do the do's that we are called to. But if we'll focus on the do's, if we live big and dream big dreams and we walk in freedom and we give and serve and love and we chase after our purpose, if we live the life that God called us to, then we will look back on our lives and realize we didn't have time to do all the things that we shouldn't do. I didn't have time for the do-nots. Because I was so busy serving and loving and chasing after Jesus and doing what I'm supposed to do that I didn't even have time. Jackie came up to me after church last week, right after kids camp, after we had been so busy. And uh, Jackie walked up to me and said, "Uh, you staying out of trouble? I said, yeah, Jackie, I am. I don't have time to get in trouble. He said, well, good. If you run out of stuff to do, I'll keep you busy so you don't get in trouble. But that's the point. You stay so busy. If you're chasing after God like He wants you to, you're not going to get in trouble. You won't have time. And when you do slip up or fall down, you're right back up and moving because you don't have time to waste on that. Focusing on the do-nots. So focus on the do. You're called to be free. And then He throws in, so, so don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Let's focus on the freedom, what we're called to. And then we don't have to worry about the other. Verse, uh, verse 1, we didn't read it, but it says it's familiar to you. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. Well, what else would it be for? It is for freedom that he set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What's he saying? Don't use your freedom to become a slave. Because you can. So how? How do we do it? How do I live in freedom and not become a slave? We just read it in three different translations. Use your freedom to serve someone. Use your freedom to serve in love. That's what Paul just told us. Don't use your freedom to do what feels good for you. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use your freedom for selfish reasons. Use your freedom to serve humanity. Use your freedom to shine your light. Jesus showed us a living example of this. Use your freedom to serve someone. Just like when Jesus walked the earth... He served people. He healed people. He touched people. He blessed people. He was friends with people that others thought he shouldn't be. He he served the disciples. And when it looked like he was most trapped and defeated, hanging on the cross was actually his greatest act of freedom. He was more free hanging there. And they thought they had trapped him. We finally got him trapped and killed him. And that was the greatest act of freedom known to mankind. Because he was setting us all free at the same time. That's supposed to be our example. What will you do with your freedom? Serve people. 
Love people. Dream big. Walk it out. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. I love how the Message Bible words it. So after all that we just read in Galatians, kind of like to wrap up, uh, Paul says this. My counsel is this. This is, what I'm count- this is my counsel. This is what you need to do. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. You hear that? The free spirit. What's the free spirit? We read it starting this out. It's God's spirit. It's the free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel. Stop acting on your feelings on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Paul said this is how you do it. Stop being led by selfishness. Stop being led by your feelings or what feels good or what you need to escape and serve somebody, love somebody, follow Jesus' example and escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence. Walk in your freedom. Use your freedom to serve in love. And when... When you go out and put this into practice in your world, when you start looking for people to serve and you're looking for people to love and and you're going in and you say, man, that's like when you go into Highland, when you go into Highland and your waitress is obviously having a bad day and just really not doing a good job. Try this tip journey up front, a good tip and say, hey, see you're having a bad day. And she may get insulted about that and still give you horrible service. Journey, Journey probably wouldn't, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, if this happened. Then afterwards, go up and give them a little bit more. Say, you know what? You need to know that you matter. You'll shock people if you start to serve with love and not by what you feel. When you stop at that four-way stop in Waco and nobody knows how to use a four-way stop and you wonder how did they get their license and they don't know, I was here, it's my turn to go, and then they keep pulling. Just sit there and do this with your finger and smile. Let them go. It costs you three seconds. Unless you get angry and let it steal your whole day. That's easy. You can do that. But if you start to serve people and love, you're going to shock some people. Some of y'all's spouses are going to faint. You're going to have to pick them up off the floor. They're just not used to seeing you act like that. If you start to serve 
in love. And somebody might ask you, what's wrong with you? You tell them I'm part of a revolution that started over 2,000 years ago. And we use our freedom to serve others in love. His name is Jesus. And in our revolution here at New Horizon, that I'm a part of, we use our freedom to set other people free. We use our freedom to serve and love, and we live in real freedom, and we set other people free with our freedom. Freedom doesn't put people in bondage. Man, I pray in freedom that you dream dreams so big they paralyze you. And then they motivate you. And then they move you to act. Let's pray. God, thank you for freedom. Thank you that you set us free. It's not because we deserved it or we earned it or we followed the law good enough to be accepted by you, but that you looked at us and said, those are my kids. Just like if I saw one of my kids locked up in jail, I would do everything I could to get him out of that cell. You paid the highest price to set us free. God, forgive us for the times that we've settled for legalism. Forgive us for the times that we've settled for religion. Forgive us for the times that we've settled for sin. Forgive us for the times that we've settled for our addictions and not walked in the freedom that you paid for. What a privilege and an honor to be called your kids, to be part of your family, to be part of this glorious freedom. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for constantly drawing us home. So help us to dream big dreams. To step out on faith again and again and again. Help us to serve each other in love. We love you. Thanks for sending Jesus to show us what real service looks like. In Jesus' name, amen.